0: from romans chapter 12 verses 6 to 8 we have different gifts according to the grace given us if a person's gift is prophesying let them use it in proportion to their faith if it is serving let them serve if it is teaching let them teach if it is encouraging then let them encourage if it is contributing to the needs of others let them give generously If it is leadership, let them govern diligently, and if it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. This is the word of God. Uh, If you've got a Bible, please do turn them open to the passage that Steve read to us so brilliantly in Romans chapter 12. And we're continuing our series this evening and uh, looking at what it means to live a transformed life in Christ Jesus, one that is radical, and countercultural, yet in imitating Christ brings a transformation to our culture. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're a gift giving God. And we bless you, Lord. We thank you that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home, and dying, you gave us life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you gave us life. We thank you that you gave us yourself. We thank you that you've given us your spirit. And we pray this evening, Lord, we'll understand more of what you've given us so that we can give back in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I read an article in Psychology Journal. And it said, or the article was called, Narcissism is Epidemic. Narcissism is Epidemic. And uh, narcissism is, in a sense, self-love, self-obsession. It's all about the self. And uh, that perhaps can be best described by David Bowie Ziggy, for those of you old enough or cool enough to know the track. Making love to your ego. The article basically said that this is an age where people are turned in on themselves and just loving themselves. I actually think that since Adam and Eve, narcissism has been with us, this self obsession. This self-centeredness, this has been one of the dominant marks of humankind. If there are any philosophers here, you'll know that Hobbes, 300 years ago, wrote extensively on this issue. To understand human nature is to understand us as selfish. The biologist Richard Dawkins, in his book, The Selfish Gene, states Let us try to teach generosity and altruism because we are born selfish. One of the few times I find myself in agreement with him. And that article that I read on narcissism said that the way to counter this issue in human nature, in our culture today, is to actively pursue humility and generosity, humility, and generosity, and I was intrigued when I read that because last week in this passage in Romans 12, we were reading about how Paul commended to us this virtue of humility. We're living in society, not for ourselves, but living for the other and giving to the other, and humble and meek in that context. And again, as the passage goes on, as we're going to look at this evening, the focus is on having received gifts to give the gifts. The focus is not on me getting the gifts, but me getting the gifts to give away and to bless the other. The disciple who is transformed by Jesus will be marked counterculturally as someone who is humble and someone who is generous. When we're transformed by Jesus, no longer is the focus on self. The focus is turned outwards to the other. No longer are the controlling pronouns in our life, me, my, and I, but they are you and us and we. No longer... Uh, There's controlling verbs, sort of, give to me. But I want to give. That is the mark of someone transformed by Jesus living a counter-cultural life. Well, I've got a few simple points this evening. First is this, that God is a gift-giving God. It's a gift-giving God. He's a generous God. He's an overflowing God. Paul says we have different gifts according to God's grace. And it's in the nature of God to give gifts. Just look around at our universe. All of it is the overflow from God's benevolence, his generosity, his graciousness, his expansiveness. Most important verse in scripture, perhaps, if there is one, certainly one of the most well-known is God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave us his son in order to give us everlasting life. And years ago, about 30 years ago, when I was 28 years ago, when I was a curate up north in Bradford, I remember just quoting this verse off the cuff, and I got it wrong. I said, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And I'll never forget it. Afterwards, this elderly lady hobbled up to me. She had two walking sticks. She hobbled all the way up to me. And I thought she was gonna say, epic sermon, curate. But instead, the sticks went up, and I thought she was going to give me a clout. And she said, he did not send. He did not send. He gave, gave, gave. And she was absolutely right. God doesn't just send. He gives. He gives up out of the overflow of his generous and benevolent heart. You know, I used to do a lot of traveling here and there for ministry. And whenever I was away, I'd want to buy presents and come back and, and give them to my lads. And uh, on one occasion, Tiffany said, you spoil our sons. You spoil them. And I thought, in fact, I said, of course I do. It's what fathers do. Dads spoil their kids with gifts. Why? Because they love them. And God is a gift-giving Father. C.S. Lewis, the Oxford Don, once wrote, God is love, and this particular love is a gift love. In God there is no hunger that needs to be filled, only plenteousness that desires to give. There's a word I haven't used for a long time, if ever plenteousness. How about that for a word to describe God? He is plenteous. He is bountiful. He is overflowing and overwhelming with his goodness and his generosity. Plenteousness. He does not dispense his gifts with a pipette. He does not dispense his grace with a pipette. Not a little drop for you and a little drop for you. He's the lavish God, as we saw last week, pouring out his gifts. I've come to believe that everyone, because they are made, everyone, because they are made in the image of God, has been uniquely configured and uniquely gifted and uniquely graced by God whether they become a Christian or not, they, because they are made in the image of God, are blessed and graced with a gift. Why have I got one son who is just stellar at maths? I mean, I failed my maths O-level twice and didn't sit it a third time. But my son's a kind of mathmo genius Where did he get that from? His mother? No. <laughs> it's not in our DNA, but it's in his. Where did he get it from? Why is he doing his PhD in Imperial London on clouds and stuff? Because he's smart as, and he gets it from God. He's graced. It's a natural blessing made in the image of God. My other son, Nat, I mean, he's not so good at maths, but he's kind of got this sixth sense. He's like an empath. He can just read you He can read anyone. He just knows. He he feels. He senses. And then he can articulate and care. Gifts. They've got identical DNA and yet different gifts. Where does it come from? It reflects the generosity and the goodness of God. Poured out on humankind. All of us made in the image of God. And despite the marring and tainting of sin, those gifts are abroad to bless us and to beautify the world that God loves. There's natural gifts But there's also supernatural gifts. These are given when we come to faith in Christ Jesus, when we receive the Holy Spirit. And then we get even more because God's always wanting to give us more of himself. Special and particular and charismatic gifts. The Bible lists numerous of them. The thing is, God can't help but give gifts. It's in his nature to give good things. And we read, interestingly, that the gift-giving aspect of the divine is found across the Trinity, the persons of the Trinity. The Father, all good things come from, the far, come from above, down from the Father, the heavenly lights, James says. Ephesians says, grace was given to us, each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul in Corinthians says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit who gives them. Father, Son, and Spirit, outgoing, outgiving, pouring out blessing upon us. The Father in creation, and Jesus through redemption, and then the Spirit by baptism. The whole economy of God is wired in such a way as to bless his world with gifts. Now, you know, some psychologists define giftedness as asynchronous development, which means that a student has a special mental capacity to develop over and above and quicker than his or her peers. Basically, boils down to having a very high IQ. There's a kind of technical psychological definition of giftedness. The top 1%, maybe some of you here, the rest of us, we just call them nerds, something like that. Gifted, but actually it's nonsense because everyone is gifted by God. Maybe this evening, maybe all your life, you've compared yourself to your sibling or you've been compared to them by your parents or you've compared yourself or been compared to your peers at school or something just in yourself leaves you feeling insecure and inadequate and inferior in comparison to someone else but listen god has gifted you and you are uniquely configured and you bring something very special In creation, and then since becoming a Christian, in recreation, a double blessing has been given to you. You're gifted by God because you're loved by God, because you're made in God's image, and because God has got stuff for you to do. God is a gift-giving God, number one. Secondly, you need to get your God-given gift. Verse six of our reading Paul says, we have different gifts, charismata is the word, grace gifts, according to God's grace, charis given to us. The word gift or giving given is there three times. Just underline it, gift, giving gifts. Paul wants us to hear this. He's kind of riffing on giving. We're the blessed people of God with gifts. And if gifts are grace, then gifts are not rewards. They're not value judgments are on our character or our performance. If they're grace, they're not provisional or conditional. The gift tells us something not about us, but about the one who has given. And their grace, he has given them out of his grace, his generosity, his loving kindness towards us. Now, the list that we had read to us from chapter 12, just lists half a dozen things there, prophecy or serving or teaching or encouraging or generosity or mercy, and uh, just a few. And these are by no means exhaustive. Don't worry if you read that list and thought, I'm not in there. Oh no, there's out for me. There are in fact four main lists in the New Testament of gifts, and even they are not exhaustive but there are over 20 different gifts that are listed. Everything from helps to healing, from mercy to miracles, from teaching to the gift of tongues. And interestingly, only one of those gifts is for the individual to keep for themselves. That's the gift of tongues, whereby they can pray, commune with God, and be encouraged and built up in their spirit. But Paul says the one who has the gift of tongues has also got to pray that they can give it and interpret it so that someone else gets to play and gets a blessing. Every other gift is given not for the individual to have some kind of spiritual free song. They're given so that that individual can give it away and Bless the other. But there's this panoply, a variety of gifts to beautify the world, to beautify the church, and to reflect the beauty and the diversity of the divine. And that's important. It says to us that church is not to be a monoculture, that church is not meant to look one certain way, but that. The, With these gifts on display, there's texture and distinction, mutuality, reciprocity, beauty. So how do we discover our gifts? Well, some of them uh, are obvious. Certainly the natural gifts that we have, we will have known about and nurtured and and have been called out of us all our life, hopefully as we've grown up and found a place to express those. What about our spiritual gifts? Well, we need to ask God. We need to say, Lord, you you made me. You made me in your image, and you filled me with your spirit. What have you given me to do? That's the first thing. Ask God to show, to reveal, and to activate those gifts that he's placed within you. And then ask yourself, who do I identify with in their role and in their ministry? I mean, I look at... The worship leaders, and I want to worship. I don't want to be in the worship band. You know, I, I, I look at people leading and I think, I love them leading. I just feel carried and cared for and held, but I don't particularly want to do that. You know, but as, as a young Christian, I see people preaching and I think, oh, I, I've been reading my Bible and I feel I've got things to say. What moves you? What attracts you? What do you feel drawn to? Where do you feel that in the past when you've been trying things, there's been some measure of favour and encouragement from others? What gives you life and satisfaction in exercising a gift or a ministry? Ask yourself. And then you've got to ask the church. If God has given you a gift, it's for the church and the church need to receive it. So they've also got to test it. Ask those who trust you. Uh, you trust, rather, and who trust you, and who know you the best, and say, What do you think God has given me gifts to do? And then experiment, try a few things. Well, you can't lead worship, and you can't lead worship. You can't experiment doing that, but you can offer yourself to the best. Old oh, Johnny Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, I remember him telling of his very first visit to church uh, when he became a Christian in the 1960s. And he had been. <clears throat> Excuse me, a professional musician, a music producer for the Everly Brothers. And he said he got to church, it was all a bit freaky, all a bit strange. And he said, then at one point, he said, uh, a lady got up to give a solo. Wimber was a professional musician. He says, and Wimber recalls it like this he says, The girl introduced the song and said, God's given me this voice, and I'm going to give it back to him. And then Wimber says, and I heard God say, no, 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 no. <laughs> and Wimber says she was in any one of three keys at the same time. <laughs> the fact is we can sometimes deceive ourselves about what God has given to us for all sorts of reasons. And we need the kindness of a Simon Cowell to tell us, <laughs> to tell us the truth. But you know, we've got to be humble and be willing to have setbacks on this. But you only discover your gifts by uh, expressing and testing and inviting comment and perhaps taking a risk. But I do want to underline this this evening. If you get nothing else from this talk, that God has given you a gift. That God gave you a gift in creation because you're made in his image. And God gave you a gift through redemption when he saved you through his son and by his spirit. And some are natural and some are supernatural, but no one here is without gifts, none of you. No one's a blank. No one's a spare part. No one's that pew fodder. We don't do that in this church because we don't believe it. As Wimber would say, everyone gets to play. The more visible gift is not the more valuable gift. The upfront gifts are not greater than those in support. Indeed, we don't believe in that kind of hierarchy in the gifts, but if if there is a greater gift, it'll be those who serve, because the one who would be great must be least the servant of all. The main thing is that we don't compare and we don't compete, but we seek to complete the gifts in the church. Ask God, find out what it is, have a go, and bless the church. Thirdly, you need to gift your gift. Gift your gift. Verse six, we have different gifts. If prophesying, then prophesy. If serving, then serve. If giving, then give. And it comes to the end in verse 8, and twice it says, do it, do it. I rather like that, it's sort of, sort of edgy, do it. <laughs> do it, just do it. A gift is useless if it isn't shared. Just imagine someone who was a chef who only cooked for themselves, or a painter who only had their paintings for themselves on their walls, or an inventor who kept uh, their ideas to themselves, or a therapist who only helped and encouraged themselves. No, (laughs) gifts are given to be given away. And that's true in the natural, and that's also true of those charismatic supernatural gifts. Your talent is God's gift to you, and what you do with it is your gift to God. Back to him and your gift to the church and the world. And as I've already said, let me underline it. Every gift given is to be given away. None of for you to run away home and say, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. It's mine, 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 or oh, mine. Not that you would, and I don't know why I said that, but it's for someone else. It's like pass the parcel. You get it, you've got to give it away Jesus told a parable of a servant who was given a talent money and instead of investing it buried it and when the master came home he was not well pleased because there was no return there was no interest on the investment and the sad thing is many bury their gifts some have their gifts buried by others through setbacks and knockbacks and being pushed back. Sometimes a genuine gift. People have poured cold water on it and diminished it and dismissed it and it's there frustrated and buried. I confess I have at times knocked people back in their gifting. A son of a very good friend of mine who uh, spent a night with me once when we were at a conference for his father. He said that, he he asked me for his advice. He said, I've just left university, I've dropped out. I said, oh man, why have you done this? He he said, I've dropped out of university because I want to pursue a music career. I said, that's rubbish. I said, you do not want to do that. God's given you a brain, you get back to uni and you get your degree. He said, well, I'm gonna give it a year. I said, I think it's a bad idea. Get back to uni, but if you're going to give it a year, just a year. Anyway, by the end of the year, an album came out under the name Mumford & Sons. And uh, the lad was called Marcus Mumford. I've known him since he was a lad. And that was bad advice. (laughs) Do not pursue a music career. But sometimes the advice is not right. Sometimes people pour cold water on it, what God has given us. And maybe there are some here this evening who feel hurt and maybe God just wants to heal that this evening and put you back in the fight. You've got to dig up those buried gifts and put them to work. You've got to learn and practice and exercise them. You know, it was Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, who said, it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert at something, even if you have a natural ability. Some it might take a bit less, some a bit more. But what we want, we want this to be a church where you discover your gifts, you have opportunity to exercise those gifts, to build up those gifts and to achieve mastery in them. That's the kind of community we want to be where you know what God has done for you, and you have a place and a platform to exercise that so that others can be blessed. Gift your gift. And then finally, a couple of minutes, you've got to embrace other people's gifts. Ed Sheeran wrote a song, I quoted it last week, You Need Me, I Don't Need You. Anyone know that song? Yeah, I see a hand. Well, in church we don't sing anything like that. We don't believe anything like that. We sing, "You need me, and I need you." If God, if I'm right, and God has configured configured the church in such a way that you have a gift to bless me, and I have a gift to bless someone else, and they have a gift to bless someone else, then if you're, if I'm not receiving your gift, then it's stunted, and I'm not growing. I need the gift that God has given you. I need it and vice versa. Last week I was in a charity shop uh, looking for some old watches if they had any and they never do and uh, I, I overheard the manager, someone came along with a load of stuff and to bring in their donation, their gifts to them and the manager said, sorry, we're not taking gifts at the moment. Well, we never want to hear that in our church. Uh, in, any, in any shape or form, we will receive those gifts because if God's brought you here, He's, got, He's brought you here with what He's given you. And the church is stunted when the gifts given by God are not received. And all too often over the history of the church, the giftings have been limited to the few who are anointed, the priest or the pastor, or the prophet, or the apostle, whilst the others just sit in the pew and receive. And God's chosen frozen are there. But we want to be a church that's really warm and that people come out of the cold and exercise. I've been in churches where if you're a woman, your gifts are not recognized. And I've been in churches where if you work in class, your gifts aren't recognized. And I've been in churches where, if you're an ethnic minority, your gifts are not recognized. Well, this is not one of those churches. This is a church that wants to receive the gifts that God has given you, to honor you and to honor the gifting in you. We want to receive it, we want to release it. God's got a call on our lives. We don't just want to come here and have a good time. We want this to be a church where an army is raised up and equipped to be able to go out from here and to bring transformation in the name of Jesus and to advance his kingdom. So you need to find the gift and you need to fulfill it. Maybe come along to good ground or break ground this week, tomorrow night or Tuesday night to learn about being mentored. And part of that process is about discovering and underlining and releasing your gift. Let me finish. Saw my dad yesterday down in Bristol, and he said to me, it was a funny thing, as I walked out the door, I don't even know why he said it. He said, whilst you have a pulse, you have a purpose. He said, thanks very much, Dad. Let Let me have a feel. Whilst you have a, I think he was talking about himself, dear old man, but. The truth is sin and failure. Maybe you've let God down. Maybe you've buried your gift. The gifts of God are without recall or repentance. He doesn't change his mind, and he never takes them back. He's not like, is it? Oh, forget it. Um, trying to, Top cat. <laughs> you know, he'd give the money, and it was on a string, and he'd pull it back. God never takes it back. He's given the gift. And you may have messed up, and you may have failed, but you come and get right with God, and then you can be put back into service. <laughs> This week I spoke to a middle-aged minister and I got their permission to share. They were feeling a bit sorry for themselves. They were uncertain where they fit and where their gifts can be used and they felt rather sort of out of date and out of touch and anachronistic and redundant and were debating on leaving ministry, retiring early and getting a job in waitros. And uh, I sensed the Lord say to them, enough with your self-pity. God has called you and God has gifted you and God's gifts do not come with a sell-by date. Mainly a young congregation, that might not be for anyone here. Maybe it's for someone listening online and joining with us online, listening to this down the line. But God's gifts don't come with a sell-by date and there's more for you to do. Gift your gifts. Amen.